episode 52. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Drop what you're doing right now and go see Joe Dirt. It is hilarious. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. So my uh, my grandfather said, well, I'm going to the outhouse. And he walked out the door, and then I thought to myself, oh, my recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference. Sorry. That's okay. I never, uh, I don't watch the Simpsons okay. on a regular basis. You're missing out. I know it. Pardon me. Um, so this, on is, the- this is episode um, 52, 52, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And you're a little, I can tell you're a little I'm shaking, off. Brett. You're I'm a little, little off. off. Well, we're going to get you back on All with right. our special guest who's on the phone, Adam Murdo from Comic Geek Speak. Adam, how are you? I'm pretty good, guys. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. I'm and having deja vu. Yeah, <laughs> we, we just had a funny hiccup, which, Brad, do you want to expose no, the hiccup? No, because okay. then I look like an idiot. Okay. Um, and this show is devoted to all things Superman. Uh, we talk. Sing along, Adam. Very good. And Richard Pryor was probably the best villain Superman ever faced. Bite your tongue. You know what? I'm proud to say, I have never seen that movie all the way through. You don't really remember much. Was that number four, Adam? That was three. Ah, uh, that was three. Three? Okay, what's... Yeah, number four was the one with the uh, Solar Man, the uh, Superman ripoff character, and uh, when Superman was destroying all the nuclear missiles, and Christopher Reeve co-wrote it, and it was bad. Wh- wh- where's the one where he was, uh, like, evil Superman? That was... Ah, th- uh, that's three. Okay, you know what? I've never, ever, ever seen four, any of it. Right, it's horrible. I've never seen any of number four. There's whatsoever. nothing redeeming about that movie. In fact, we we may address. Well, you know, I'm going to wait. It for, I'm going to wait for when we talk about superpowers because there's a superpowers of Superman that I've never really understood, and we'll talk about it in a sec. Super um, jokester. <laughs> um, but um, so before we get started, oh yeah, do you want to have a surprise for? Uh, it, you're expecting it, but you didn't know it came in. Okay, and Adam's already seen it. Adam, we got our Harold Jennett sketchbooks oh, in the yeah. mail. Oh, yeah. And Harold Jennett is a very uh, <coughs> established artist. And this is, yeah, this is uh, reminiscent of... Uh, it's uh, beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, Adam, in the in the um, price box in the top left corner next to the word Harold, uh, where, like the title, you know, it's supposed to be Batman, but it says Harold. In the price box next to it, it says $3.50. June Bob lost September 07. <laughs> Which is in reference to 300. Episode 300 when he and mm-hmm. he and Erica Hesse duked it out. Wow, look at that. Oh, yeah, with the giant inflatable boxing glove. Right, yes. right. Uh, that was a Kodak moment, that was. <laughs> yes. If you go to our YouTube page, the Half Hour Wasted YouTube page, there's actually video of that fight that you can you Did you post check it? Out. Uh, it's on there. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
must have linked to it. Okay. Thank you for this, Brian. This is and awesome. Thank you, thank you Harold. Harold. Harold Jennett. Harold he likes to hear Jennett. his name on the show, so say it, Adam. Harold Jennett. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Thank you, so, Harold. Uh, okay. Speaking of 300, though, that's where I approached Murd about doing this show. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you said, sure, anytime after Christmas, because you had the barn to take care of. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, us elves are kept busy during that time of year. Uh, so, Murdo's Christmas barn. <laughs> how, and so I've always wondered, how is business throughout the rest of the year? Um, well, I'm going to guess it's pretty slow. Right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the time of year when people are least inclined to think about Christmas. Is it uh, but it's good it... because it gives us some time to decompress, some time to see some sales reps and order Christmas stuff for next year, and just relax. Um, then over the summer, we have another uh, shop that sells Christmas stuff in a New Jersey resort town. And uh, we actually do a decent amount of business down there in the summer months. And then once we're done with that, it's, it's just starting to be the Christmas season again back home. So you know, we, we have enough to keep us busy most of the year, but this is the downtime. This is the time when I'm most able to stop and do stuff like chatting about Superman with you guys. Hey, do you have a does the does the, um, the does you, do your shops have a website? Yeah, we're pretty low tech. <laughs> okay, we have an email address, but that's about it. Oh, okay. Something that bothers me about Christmas, and it's my favorite holiday, favorite time of the year. Although Arbor Day is a close second, um, <laughs> <clears throat> the Christmas comes. Earlier and earlier every year, as far as seeing it in the stores. Oh yeah, I think Christmas creep they call it. I think there should be a federal law enacted that no Christmas decorations or products, with the exception of Murdo's Christmas Barn, because <laughs> <laughs> it's a specialty store. Right. I'm talking right. WalMarts. I'm talking Targets. I'm talking Dillard's. Mm-hmm. N- nothing Christmas should show up until November first. Because you know what happens is Halloween loses out. Hmm. You know, August comes around, and you know it's what? already the, Christmas the, time at the, Walmart. The uh, the candy lobbyists uh, will will make sure that Halloween always exists and Easter because they have they have their wares to sell, my friend. Not unless the candy cane lobbyists overtake the candy lobbyists, which you'd think they'd be in the same league, but they're actually not. Hmm. They have a, they have an underground fight club. Yes, they do. But we're wow. not supposed to talk about it because no. that's the first rule. That's right. Well, let's get into all things Superman then. I hope I didn't offend you, Adam, by saying that. <laughs> mm, yeah, I appreciate you making the exception for specialty stores. <laughs> yeah, well, no, specialty stores is different. Specialty mm. stores is different. If you're year round, if you're called the Christmas Barn, well, dadgummit, you can't sell um, Valentine stuff. You know, you just give me an idea. I'm going to do the Hanukkah Barn. <laughs> the Kwanzaa Barn. The Kwanzaa Barn. You want to do that? Oh boy. <laughs> All right, Adam. I'm not touching that. Okay. Um, so, Adam, let's we, just we solicited right questions uh, on our message board, and um, we had some of our own questions. Some of our listeners submitted questions. Um, uh, I'll let I'll let Frank uh, moderate here because he's good at that kind of thing. My okay. my brother said he likes the way you keep the show going because <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to I tend to derail it a lot, and I'm and I'm and I keep us on track, baby. Go for it. So, Adam, first question. First question right off the bat. And, you know, I read Who's Who, and I got a surprising answer to this. Um, maybe you, you use this as the same reference, too. But, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Action Comics, number one. Where is that Superman right now? Hmm. Well, yeah, that, that depends. Uh, and it seems like, like you're going to be saying that a lot. That depends. Throughout the show, because there's yeah. a lot of fluctuation. In I this thought history. he was dead as of 
Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, it depends on whether or not you acknowledge the Earth 2 Superman as being exactly the same Superman as was in Action Comics number one. Because that's... That's an example of what you might call a, a retcon, that uh, the whole Earth 2 concept is really kind of a retcon. The idea that these characters all existed on a parallel Earth during the 40s. It was, it was used to explain you know, why these characters never aged over time. Um, so, yeah, uh, this, if you do accept that the Earth 2 Superman is the Superman in Action Comics number 1, then, yeah, where he is right now is rotting in a hole on planet Mogo. <laughs> I mean, that uh, in the, <clears throat> That was the whole point of, of the multiverse concept, right, was to uh-huh. validate the Golden Age comics. Right. And uh, so what's the other point of view in that? If you don't, if you don't acknowledge that, those, uh, that the guy from Action Comics number one was, was uh, Earth 2 Superman. Well, the other point of view is, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I read in Who's Who in that uh, when you look up first appearances for uh, for Cal-L, the letter L, and Cal-L, the E-L, is um, both of them appeared, their first appearance is both Action Comics number one, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of confusing because they, they both have different parents, or at least in name-wise. Uh, Cal-L with capital L is Jonathan and Martha Kent, and Cal-L, E-L, is... Um, um, well, Cal El is Jonathan and Martha. Oh, that's right. Um, John and Mary Kent is a Cal El, capital L. That's right. Was that right. was that the way it was spelled? Was just an L back in the yeah in the golden age, and, yep. and his parents were actually John and Mary. Yep, that's the way it went in the original stories. When did when did uh, Jonathan and Martha appear? Those yeah, names. Names just kind of you know, drifted a little bit over yeah. over time, and they, it's, it's another one of the many problems that the whole parallel Earth concepts could be used to explain away. Which you know, uh, I found this little tidbit online yesterday. Um, in 1942, there was a Superman novel called The Adventures of Superman by Joe uh, by George Lothar, and in that book, they gave Superman's parents' names Eben and Sarah Kent. Ah, uh, you know, that explains why when I'm doing crossword puzzles sometimes, it'll be a clue, like Superman's birth father, and the answer is Eben. I always wondered about that. Yeah, so... Well, and then your next note there is that, that that was the name of his parents in the Adventures of Superman television series. Oh, yeah. That so maybe well. the person that created that crossword never read comics and he watched the TV show. You know, that's entirely that, possible. Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay, well, let's talk about the different versions of Superman. That's a, that's so as far as we're concerned, Adam... Uh, Cal L with one L uh, was the guy from Action Comics number one, and, and he's dead now. Yes, although uh, there have been teasers thrown out that he uh, he may be uh, making a comeback in JSA sometime soon. Really? Mm. Yep. What about Keep watching the skies? <laughs> <laughs> what about um, uh, the the new Earth two and the new multiverse? Has there been any? Uh, we, we haven't seen that JSA yet, have we? Uh, there was like one panel in 52, number 52. And uh, I don't know, but I think there might have been a couple of, or at least one new Earth 2 character show up in Countdown Arena. I think like the new Earth 2 Jay Garrick might have been there. But yeah, by and large, the new Earth 2 hasn't been explored very thoroughly. There's okay. one panel in 52, number 52, where you see a bunch of JSA members holding I up like a, that. 
a, po- a missing persons poster with uh, Superman and Power Girl on it. Ah. Uh, Ooh, interesting. All right. So. Now my brain's starting to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this leads us into the next question about, like, how many versions have there been of Superman within continuity? There is, there is uh, Kal-El, which we just discussed, uh, then Kal-El. Have, have there been any other other versions that are in continuity? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, if you count, like, uh, maybe Ultraman from Earth 3, I mean, if we're talking about parallel universe versions or just different interpretations of the character, mm-hmm. and if you're talking about parallel Earth versions, it's a lot easier to quantify. But uh, if you're just talking about uh, different stages in the character's growth over the decades... At this point be- in the conversation, let's do it that way. Yeah. Let's talk about just your mainstream, non-parallel uh, universe Superman. Um, there was a pre-crisis Superman. Mm-hmm. There was a post-crisis Superman. There was a John Byrne revamp Superman. Now, uh, at, at this point, my brain is exploding. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, heck, if you wanted to, you could even go back further, and you, you could almost say that there's a different version of Superman every ten years, or more well, recently, it's been changing so much it could be even every five years, or with every creative team that takes over. Mm. And then they have to think about the else world on top of that. Hmm. Well, yeah, this, this so with the John Byrne revamp, then after that, there's the Birthright uh, revamp. That I'm Mark glad you Wade brought that did. up, because I was going to ask about Birthright, because that that's like foreign to me. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I didn't even read it. Uh, I read a little bit about it, but basically it's, I, I think it's, it's an it's an eight year period where where um, where Clark Kent was kind of exploring the world. He was in Africa for a little while, and he was just trying to figure out who he was before he actually became Superman. Um, and I think they also pair up him and Lex Luthor as friends in that storyline. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that's that, Mark yeah. Wade. Was that supposed to be an incontinuity retelling of his origin? It didn't have an uh, Elseworlds logo on it, did it? Mm. No, it didn't. Actually, they were kind of coy about whether or not it counted in continuity at first. And then after it was finished, then Mark Wade like, uh, went public and said, yeah, guess what, this is the official new origin of Superman. Uh, but he realized even then that there was a good chance it wouldn't stick that way. You know, just sort of a Spider-Man Chapter 1 effect. And um, he was right, because it seems that uh, a lot of what he did in Birthright has already been invalidated as for Infinite Crisis. So, what are you going to do? Dang, this is very complicated. In the simplest of terms, Adam, let's explain to us the difference between pre-crisis, post-crisis, and John Byrne revamp Superman. Hmm. Is that possible? Um, Well, post-crisis and John Byrne revamp are pretty much one and the same, aren't they? Well, I, I thought I'd heard um, Peter on CGS so, mention a few times that uh, the post-crisis Superman uh, uh, was actually in existence in comics for a couple of months before the John Byrne revamp Superman. Right, right. but uh, yeah, that was basically just the pre-crisis Superman existing in a single-universe world for a little bit. So there okay. were there were a couple of months between Crisis Number Twelve and like whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, would you uh, explain what that is? Because that's a pretty significant story, is it not? Yes, yes. It's uh, well, it's it's basically considered a quote unquote Elseworlds at this point. Um, I have a 
little trade paperback collection of the two issues of the story, which has an Elseworlds stamp on it, in fact. Oh, wow. In the introduction, um, uh, Alan Moore uh, does a little text piece at the front that says, this is an imaginary story, aren't they all? So, hmm. it's, which is, it, it's sort of a reference to the fact that all these stories are fictional, no matter how you look at it, but also the fact that all the pre-crisis stories featuring Superman were rendered imaginary, thanks to the imposition of a new continuity. But, um, yeah, so this story was intended to wrap up the life story of the pre-crisis, you know, silver and bronze age Superman, and to just to finish up all the, like, like, like tell how he ended up uh, in anticipation of the arrival of the new burn version of the character. And so we see a lot of Superman's major villains and supporting characters die, and there's a big battle royale, and uh, Superman defeats uh, what uh, Alan Moore considered to be his greatest foe, I guess, which was Mr. Mix's Pitlick, interestingly. And uh, then he kills him, Superman kills him, and decides that he doesn't deserve to be Superman anymore, he doesn't want to do this anymore, so he just rids himself of his own powers and settles down with Lois Lane to raise a family as a normal human being, and that's the end of that. That's, that's Superman's uh, the Silver and Bronze Age Superman finale, according to Alan Moore. And uh, the new John Byrne Superman can just pick up and start from scratch from there. Okay. Yep, all this happened in, uh, it would have been 1986. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, spoiler alert, how did Superman depower himself in that storyline? Uh, uh, he exposed himself to gold kryptonite, oh, which is okay. one of those uh, great Silver Age uh, story concepts that they used one of the many different colors of kryptonite. And its effect is to permanently remove the potential for superhuman powers from a kryptonian. Mm-hmm. So after he exposed himself to that, he just became a, more or less an ordinary human being. Hmm. Since you brought it up, let's talk about the different colors of kryptonite. Oh, sure. Why not? Let's see. So we just talked about gold. Now, what did mm-hmm. go- does gold take it away permanently? Permanently, yes. Okay. And then yeah, that happened to one of the Phantom Zone criminals, uh, Quexol. And uh, took away his powers and his memories. So that, that's how Superman knew what gold kryptonite would do. And he made it a point to avoid it from then on. Now, red is very unpredictable, right? Yes, yes. Uh, every uh, sample of red kryptonite has a different outlandish effect on Superman. Really? And, and each sample only works on him once. But uh, the effects are drastic, and they, they last for about 24 hours, and makes for all kinds of craziness whenever he's exposed to it. Uh, yeah, they can mutate him into all kinds of different things, make him, like, super old, super fat, <laughs> give him the head of an insect, turn him into a, you know, giant dragon, make him evil or dishonest or greedy. You know, you name it. Uh, Whatever the writer wants to do. Um, let's see. Uh, what are there? Is there a purple? Uh, no, that's one that they've never done. There's okay. never been a purple. Um, let's see, there's, there's, uh, blue, uh, blue affects, uh, Bizarro Superman, <laughs> has no effect on Superman, but it affects the Bizarros, uh, Superman actually created blue kryptonite himself, using the same duplicator ray that created Bizarro in the first place, he just oh, okay. trained it on a green kryptonite sample and created the blue stuff. And in the current Jeff Johns action comics run, where he did the Bizarro World storyline, um, I seem to remember Bizarro built his world around a blue sun, isn't that correct? That is correct. That is correct, yeah. Because uh, blue suns apparently, according to Johns, give Kryptonians different powers. 
and it gave Bizarro the ability to create more Bizarros using Bizarro vision that came out of his eyes. That's right, the Bizarro vision. That's brilliant. Yeah, it, it, that was a lot of fun. I had those copies. Of yeah, I'd read. like to read that story because it, I it is it. a lot of fun. And we get to see a Bizarro Sinestro Green Lantern in it, too. Bizarro Hal Jordan? Yes. Yeah. Yep, his costume's yellow. And actually, he did join the Sinestro Corps then, that you know, Bizarro Lantern did. Yeah, he's in issue 25 of Green Lantern. There's right. a shot of him somewhere doing, uh, yeah. doing his thing. What so, other colors can you think of, Adam? Okay. Um, well, okay, we got blue and, uh, well, green, of course, just, you know, sickens and kills Superman outright. Everybody knows green. Um, there's white, white kryptonite. Uh, it's, it's basically just a defoliant. It's, it, it kills plants, any and all kinds of plants from any planet. Uh, I seem to recall that, uh, Perry White for a while there had cigars made out of some kind of super tobacco that when he smoked them, infected him with plant spores that gave him superpowers. And while he was in that condition, white kryptonite affected him similarly to how uh, green kryptonite affected Superman. That smells but, like a Silver Age story. <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, white it just kills plants. That's about all it does. Um, then there was uh, silver kryptonite, which Ooh. isn't, it's not really kryptonite. It was just a stunt. It was uh, something that Jimmy Olsen made up as a, a little prank on Superman to celebrate his 25th anniversary. See, uh, silver 25th anniversary. Right. Oh, okay. Just a little joke. They just went to the Home Depot and got some silver spray paint, found a rock, and psh- this will yeah, make Superman happy. Yeah, that, that, that's about all it was. Uh, well, there was also jewel kryptonite, which Ooh. looks like a big uh, diamond. Uh, this was uh, very rare and seldom seen. Uh, the, the effect, it didn't have any effect on Superman, but it increased the metal powers of the Kryptonian bad guys that were imprisoned in the Phantom Zone. Uh, Mark Wade brought that back for that uh, Silver Age event that he did at DC back in, say, 98. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So actually, yeah, the Phantom Zone criminals had to go back in time and uh, arrange some crystals on a mountain on Krypton so that when the planet exploded, jewel kryptonite was created. Oh, wow. Was there a black kryptonite? Uh, there is now. Like in the post-Infinite Crisis, it was introduced. Uh, Lex Luthor had a sample of it. Because he had, he had that suit of armor that had, like, all the different kinds of kryptonite yeah. in it. And black kryptonite, they, it didn't exist pre-crisis, so they just made it up recently. But uh, I think it was inspired by the use of black kryptonite on Smallville. But uh, apparently it can create evil twins of kryptonians when they're exposed to it. Uh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty cool idea. He used it on Supergirl, so we got an evil Supergirl briefly. Mm. Um, Any other see. colors? Um, well, there's there's a couple other kinds. That are, they're, they're just basic green. But, uh, yeah, there was, there's anti-kryptonite. Uh, this, apparently green kryptonite only works on Kryptonians who have superpowers. So, like, if Superman were to go under a red sun, he'd lose his powers, but he would also not be affected by ordinary green kryptonite anymore. However, anti-kryptonite has the same effect on non-superpower Kryptonians that regular green kryptonite has on superpower kryptonians. So it was anti-kryptonite that killed Supergirl's family. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And what yeah. Supergirl family are we talking about? Is um, Silver Age? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Supergirl's whole family and their entire city, in fact, uh, Argo City, 
survived initially the destruction of Krypton. Their whole city was thrown into space in one big choke, and the city had a dome over it, so they were able to survive just floating around in space for a while. But then the ground underneath, the, like the bedrock underneath the city, slowly converted itself to anti-Kryptonite. And when a hole was poked through the ground, the anti-Kryptonite radiation came up and killed just about everybody in Argo City, except Supergirl, who escaped in a rocket. Okay. Yeah, so that that wasn't used very much, even in the Silver Age, but it, it still, it was there. Well, let's let's talk about Argo City and... Um the bottom Kandor. of the city of Candor. I've never understood that. Yeah, let's talk about Candor for a second. Now, that played a role in in 52, but w- what exactly is that city all about? Okay. Uh, well, pre-crisis, Candor uh, was actually the capital city of the global government of Krypton. And uh, the story goes that uh, when Jor-El first got the idea that uh, Krypton was going to explode, he actually had some strong supporters in Kandor, uh, Krypton's capital. And uh, they were you know, all set to give him the support he needed to do something to save Krypton, or at least to save most of the people. But then Brainiac, the uh, evil city-stealing android from uh, planet Kolu, came zipping by Krypton in his spaceship, decided to miniaturize, you know, steal the entire city of Kandor, shrink it down, and put it in a bottle to put into his specimen collection. And so he did that and went on his merry way. And uh, they, they changed the Kryptonian capital to another city, Kryptonopolis, and Jor-El lost most of his supporters. And so sort of indirectly as a result of Brainiac's actions, uh, Krypton wound up uh, being doomed. So there's one good reason for Superman and Brainiac to have a grudge against each other. And so years later, Superman, uh, having grown up on Earth and become Superman, uh, found Brainiac and uh, found... Uh, fought him and found Candor uh, on Brainiac's ship, and he brought it back with him to uh, his fortress, and for years tried to find a way to restore its people to their regular size. So he basically had a whole city full of his fellow Kryptonians in a little jar in his fortress. Coolest terrarium ever, right? <laughs> wow. Well, and how come they're not affected by the Yellow Sun? Or are they? Uh, well, yeah, they're... Uh, Superman rigged up like an artificial environment for them, which includes a red sun. So whenever Superman would shrink himself down and travel into Kandor, somehow he could shrink himself down and go in there, but he couldn't find a way to uh, make them bigger. Uh, whenever he went in there to visit his fellow Kryptonians, he didn't have any powers when he was in there. So, and occasionally, uh, the Kandorians would come out, um, and they would get superpowers, but they were just really tiny. So... Uh, there was actually a group of uh, Kandorians who uh, volunteered to become a Superman emergency rescue squad. So they, they would all they would occasionally leave the bottle and become tiny super people and like fly to Superman's aid whenever he needed them. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so currently, the city of Kandor, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not really in a bottle. It's actually a projection of the city. The city's actually in another dimension. Hmm. Is that what they're doing with it now? I thought I had heard that somewhere, but I'm not 100% sure, and I guess you yeah. can't validate that. Maybe I'm not someone out there can correct sure either. Yeah, it's, yeah, the status of Candor is a little fuzzy for me right now. I mean, they, when they uh, brought Candor back in post-crisis continuity, uh, it was in the 90s. Uh, it was during the Trial of Superman stories, like long about 96, something like that. Uh, and uh, the city of Candor wasn't actually a Kryptonian city in post-crisis reality. It was just a city, I think it might have been from Daxum, and uh, Superman encountered this 
evil little space wizard who was, he, he, he had this city in a bottle, and he would kidnap people from different alien races and stick them all in there together, miniaturized in the bottle. And Superman defeated the wizard and took this bottle city, which also happened to be called Candor, and took it back to his fortress on Earth. Uh, so, uh, even now in current uh, you know, post-infinite crisis continuity, there's still a lot of different alien races living together in Candor. And I think there might even be a couple of Kryptonians, but who knows. Okay. Um, well, how about... Let's jump up to um, Superman's power levels, because this is always kind of fascinating, because they fluctuate a little bit. Um, like, he he used to be able to um, to move planets, but the current Superman can't do that, right? Right. Um, and it, let me tell you, this has always kind of bugged me from a physics point of view. And let me kind of explain my point, and then we can we can move on to to his superpowers. But if you were to take, let's say, a watermelon, okay, and that watermelon represents Earth, juicy, and you take a needle and try to push that watermelon, and that needle represents Superman. What would happen to that needle? It would go. It would just. It would pierce the skin. So if Superman tried to do that against Earth, he would go right through the planet, right? You would think. Yeah, but... But see, he doesn't point his his hands directly mm-hmm. at the Earth. He spread eagles his hands and makes a <laughs> flat surface. <laughs> well, um, in the... Um, I'm kidding, of course, because yeah. the tip of a needle on a microscopic level is yeah. flat anyway, so... Well, um, they kind of corrected that in the Rand Thanagar novel... Uh, the before uh, before infinite crisis, yeah. In that, because Superboy was moving planets in that right. series, but he had a special pair of gloves, which kind of helped me out a little bit with the understanding. But that always kind of bugged me that you know, because basically Superman, all he would be doing was just be pointing down at the ground, pushing. Right? Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he just totally like? We'll keep going. Punch his way through to China. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But okay, so let's talk. Let's talk power levels. Um. Um, so they, they fluctuate a lot. Where is Superman's power level right now? Can he move a planet? Um, I don't think he can. Uh, I remember reading an interview with Grant Morrison from a, a few years ago. Admittedly, his power levels may have changed since then. But uh, uh, back when Grant Morrison was going to start uh, the JLA ser- uh, his JLA run with the original seven members, uh, he had plans for there to be a scene where Superman is pulling the moon along on a chain. Like he has a giant metal chain spiked into the moon and the other end tied around his waist and he's just flying and pulling the moon with him to change his orbit a little. And DC Editorial told him that Superman didn't have that much power anymore. So if he can't even tug the moon a little bit, he definitely can't move planets. Okay. But, you know, like I said, he's, that, that's over ten years ago now and goodness knows you know, what his status is uh, you know, after Infinite Crisis. I mean, um, yeah, at the end of Infinite Crisis, for a little while there, he didn't have any power at all. Yeah, his his one year later story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. right. Because he because he flew through the through the red sun, right? Mm, right, right. When he and the Earth Two Superman were taking down Superboy Prime, so um, yeah, he spent a whole year as just plain old Clark Kent, basically. And then his powers finally came back, and uh, they're they're a little different from what they had been before. So he's he's got his super intelligence back, which is something that he had had in the Silver Age and kind of lost thanks to John Byrne. Uh, but now his uh, his brain is working better and more efficiently than it ever has uh, since crisis, 
And so, who knows, maybe his strength is up a little bit, too. Does that mean he can do, like, expert-level Sudoku puzzles? <laughs> I bet he can. Wow. At super speed. Faster than I can, I <laughs> guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> one, one last question, Adam, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this show, and we'll, we'll do a part two with you, if that's okay. Sweet. Uh, this is along the line of the, of the funky powers with Superman. Uh-huh. Why did he turn into a, an electric Superman? Oh, the blue and the red? Yeah, that was really silly. Yeah, it was so silly, I didn't even read it and prefer not to think about it, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, I know our friend, uh, you know, Raf Suhu, you know, who's, uh, he's Wraith Maker over on the CGS forums. Yeah. Uh, he actually came into Superman at that period, and he has a, a soft spot about the electric Superman, and, and that's what the state Superman was in, actually, when Grant Morrison's uh, JLA got underway. Um or at least shortly after it got underway. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember the specifics of why he started changing like that or why he split into Superman red and blue. And I'm even more fuzzy about how he changed back. I mean, at the end of that story, <laughs> when we got to the 60th anniversary and the Superman Forever one-shot with the Alex Ross uh, yeah. uh, changing, you remember that with the, like, the lens right. cells on it? Uh, yeah, he just kind of, he saved the world, crashed to Earth after saving the world, and... Uh, like, oh, look, uh, I'm back to normal. It must be the universe's way of saying thank you. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> I love those when they talk out loud to nobody and just kind of, hey, I'm better. Must be the universe's way of saying thank you. Okay, well, since uh, since there's really no good answer for that, I'm, I think I'm in the camp of let's just kind of forget that ever happened. Yeah. Don't you think the world would be a better place if we kind of forgot the electric Superman? Well, Raph wouldn't agree, but I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it's um, it's part of his history. They tried something. It didn't work. Eh. Yeah, well, I think they kind of intended for it not to work all along. You know what I'm saying? They're just, they are just wanted to make people appreciate Superman a little more, so they uh, turned him stupid for a little bit. Okay. In the hopes that uh, when he came back, you know, the contrast would uh, help people realize what a good thing they'd had. <laughs> That's a, that's a good optimistic way of looking at it, and I mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Well, hey, let's uh, let's wrap up just for today. We're going to do a part two, if that's okay, Adam. Sure. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for listening. This is Half Hour Wasted. Uh, you can drop us a line at um, halfhourwasted at gmail dot com, or visit us on the web at halfhourwasted dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, Leave us a voicemail at six four one seven one five three nine zero zero. Uh, extension seven seven five zero zero six four pound and visit us in the comic forums and um, Adam we'll catch you in just a minute all right all right and for everyone have a great day we'll catch you next time on the half hour wasted <laughs>